Hi guys, Catherine here. I am still recording from my bedroom closet, but now that Boston is starting to reopen, we thought it was as good a time as any to start a new season. So I still really miss Molly and can't wait to be back in the studio with her. And of course, we are all somewhat apprehensive um, about this next phase of entering the new normal, but we're also really excited and really optimistic uh, and happy that Boston restaurants are starting to reopen. So we will still be talking to chefs and restaurant owners um, and getting their take on everything that's happening and hearing reports from their restaurants, and I hope that you'll join us. On this week's episode, I'm chatting with Gio Lambert of M&M Ribs Barbecue. He moved into his first brick and mortar right before the pandemic struck uh, after many years of running a successful food truck. So I'm excited to hear how he's been managing, uh, what it's like to be at Dorchester Brewing Company, where they are the on-premise restaurant during this crazy time, and what's next for him. Hi guys, I wanted to tell you about a really great personal care brand that we love called Curie. They've always had a deodorant that's aluminum-free that works really well that we adore, but they recently released a hand sanitizer that is super moisturizing and smells delicious. There's different scents like grapefruit or orange neroli or white tea. Uh, You have to check them out. So if you click a link in our show notes, you will get 20% off your order, or you can go to their website, curiebod.com, that's C-U-R. R-I-E-B-O-D.com and use the code TFL20 at checkout. Thank you for taking the time uh, to chat. Um, I was able to come into the brewery and have some ribs the other day with my four-year-old um, and we took home some barbecue sauce and I put it on chicken. I mean, he loved the ribs, first right, of all. Okay. He loved the brisket. Uh, your wife was nice enough to give him some cornbread and then we got home and he goes, Mama, I don't like this barbecue sauce. I love this barbecue <laughs> sauce. I love it. I love it. My grand, my grandparents. That was always one of my grandparents' big thing was once you get the kids, uh, they, they, you'll know you'll always have a customer. Yes, it's a it's a wise move. And anywhere where you can um, drink beer and eat food with your kids, I think is a plus these days. Yes, definitely. And, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you because you guys hadn't been open that long in the new location before right. coronavirus. Um, started and we've been talking to a lot of different restaurant owners about what their experience has been like um but hadn't really talked to anybody who had a newly open spot and obviously m&m has been around for a really long time i think it was in the 80s is that right your yep, grandparents 82. started it 82 yep and then i wrote about you back in 2014 when you just had the food truck um so i'd love to hear a little bit about you know what you have going on at the brewery and what it's been like kind of opening and then closing and then reopening over the past few months yeah um it's, it's, it's definitely different from having the food truck. Um, it, it's like a, it's a restaurant, but it's like a, it's still counter service. Um, so it's still takeout style, uh, quick service takeout style. But the fact that it's inside the brewery, we're catering to, you know, a lot of people drinking beer and the craft beer. And that, uh, I mean, that, that barbecue just pairs well with that in itself. So it's pretty cool being inside of here. But um, opening it right before things got bad, we had to close, close down. It really wasn't. It, I mean, if it affected us to not have the people in the building, but we were still able to sell takeout. So that, I mean, we were still open, per se. Um, it did just change the vo- amount of volume we were seeing. Um, so being able to do takeout was really a, was a big deal. Um, I feel like just the fact that we were relying on people being inside the brewery, it kind of it affected us. But in another sense, in the, in the regular world, it was fine. To me, in, this, in in that way, it didn't really hurt as much. 
there was a lot of help at the same time. There was a lot of support. And and where was that support coming from and that help coming from? Um, I mean, we had a lot of, I mean, the community really helped us out. They were doing a lot of, um, the local community, everybody was doing a lot of takeout. Um, there were a lot of different programs offering um, food for, like, uh, in, the, in the community that just did, didn't have, just wanted to give, give back. So it was a lot of different programs that were involved. I was involved with um, Common Table. Um, so we right now I'm actually we do a hundred uh, meals a day a uh, week. We were doing previously about three hundred meals a week, um, but right now it's, it's slowing down because um, things are opening back up. People are getting out back outside more. Um, I mean, I think it was it was it was really weird just opening up and then having. I mean, actually, it was a it was a bittersweet to me honestly because it it gave me a moment to sit back and realize how I could fix. Uh, the operations and menu items and it gave me a time to stay, slow down because we were booming when we first opened. It was non, once we opened, the floodgates just collapsed and everything was just nonstop. So I, it was kind of tough to have a moment to sit back and see where I could fix and how I could change. I just had to keep moving. So it was kind of cool, not cool, but good to have a, a peace of mind just so I can you know, fix a couple of things. But I'm happy to be back open, for sure. I mean, I've heard I've heard that from a lot of restaurant owners because like the grind is so intense when you're in it that you don't ever have a minute to just kind of step back and say like what is working, what isn't working. Right. Um, so I've heard that from a few people. Like while this has been so brutal, it's been nice to have that moment to kind of reevaluate how the whole operation works. Exactly, because a lot of people were doing things that they just knew how to do, and they knew it was it was making the money in a sense. They was they knew they was in business, but. Some things weren't working, but they didn't have a chance to even evaluate it to see if it was going. But a lot of people don't understand what goes into, you know, being in a restaurant business industry. Uh, it's hard to find employees, staff, um, and stay consistent in this in this industry. So it's really when the people are doing it, they really are passionate about it, and it's a lot. Yeah, it was really amazing to see too. Um, not really coronavirus related, just like a good story related, you know, you guys were doing a brisk business out of the truck, but to see the operation that you have now and this like beautiful building, your partnership with the brewery, like that seems like a major, a major business accomplishment from, you know, just running the truck. And I would love to hear a little bit about how that journey went and how you got from point A to point B or how you made that decision, you know, to go to brick and mortar. Yeah, it was a really tough decision. Um, for a lot of people that I know, I, I didn't, I wasn't into having a brick and mortar, sit down style brick and mortar, I would say. I really just wanted to take out catering services. I didn't, quick service. Um, I knew how much uh, work went into having a sit down and, you know, that style, that style seating restaurant. Uh, but. Dorchester Brewing, you know, they offered me opportunity to be be here, and it was kind of it was basically what I wanted it to be: the takeout style service. Um, people walk up to the window, order their food, and go about their their day. Um, but now we're doing table service, as you can see. <laughs> so it's like it kind of worked backwards. But yeah, so um, yeah, they asked me that I, they wanted to they wanted to expand. Um, I was doing catering for a while. Uh, out the food truck, and there was I was I was lacking. I needed a home base. I needed somewhere that I can operate regularly to provide for my catering business. Um, renting out space in other people's kitchens and using uh, community kitchens, 
I kind of out, I want, I want to say outgrew it, but I wanted my own space. I wanted to be able to do my own thing on my own time and have my own equipment to say, not, I don't want to turn down a job because I couldn't do it. I wanted to, because I didn't have the capacity, I wanted to turn it down because I was just un unavailable to do it. And so moving into the brick and mortar here was, was such a great move. Um, I never had this much equipment. It was, it's it's kind of cool to have and play with and get to learn. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, I'm, I say I'm living a dream and I may, people think it's a joke sometimes, but it, it really is. I'm living a dream that my grandparents started. They wanted to see grow and I just want to build on top of that. I don't plan on being in the restaurant business forever. I know that, but this is, this is going to be a good start for me. Yeah, what, that was going to be my next question is what do you think that Marion and Maurice would think about all of this? <laughs> when I first told them I was going to do it, they was like, they asked, well, did that show you what you want to do? Because they had a couple of restaurants already. They, they each had a restaurant before, while they had the food truck in, in their time. And they, I, I mean, when I was growing up, I was from in middle school, elementary school, I was going in after school, sitting around, watching and seeing it, being on the cash register and things like that. So I, I, I was always in a restaurant, so I see how much work went into it. Um, so now, I mean, my grandparents, my grandmother just passed recently a couple weeks ago, well, a week ago, and my grandfather, he's, he still sees it. He's, he's proud. He's happy. Um, they both were really proud of me that, that I'm taking this step. But my next big step is doing their barbecue sauce and their seasonings, getting that into stores. And oh, awesome. Happy to talk to you about that. I have a sauce company. I'll email you on the side. All right, definitely. We can, we can chat about that for sure. It's a crazy game. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm sorry to hear about your loss. No, thank you. That's terrible. Um, but speaking of family, it's really interesting because your your wife, Candace, um, yes. also is super involved in the business. Yes. I mean, she was the one that helped me wrangle you to chat, yep, yep, and then yep. she was the one who was bringing food out to the table. I know that was never your intention to have table service, but right. like, how has that been from a family perspective of kind of having all hands on deck? Ah, uh, I mean, th that's one of my that's my that's my support team. If it wasn't for my family, there's a lot. Of th if it wasn't for my family, a lot of things wouldn't get accomplished when things got bad. Um, so, I mean, it's really cool to have people to rely on and depend on, and it's really big. And this it's really big in a business. Like, if you don't if you don't have anybody that you can call to help you out. It kind of, you know, it gives you, it puts you in a tough spot sometimes. Cause you, you, you put, get put in, you put yourself in tough spots a lot in this industry, and having a good support team is big. So being around family, being able to talk to them, it's cool. It's tough sometimes, cause now you have to, then you see them a lot more, and you have to deal with a lot more <laughs> attitude and, and mood swings and things like that. But it is cool. Um, people ask me how I can work with my wife. I mean, I love her. That's my best friend. We, I could talk, I could deal with her all day. I could, we could, even if she's mad at me, we could be mad at each other, but we still would want to be right next to each other. So. That's awesome. Um, the table service, it's a, it's a learning curve. Um, ha having staff right now is a big deal. So now I was already limited on my staff. So now I have to run food and pet bag food for takeout and you know handle customers and prepare it. So it's, I like it. It is a lot of... It brings a lot of more. Did, did you ever come to the brewery before? Um, I didn't. Did, okay. I didn't. I live in Somerville, so like okay. I've been to your food truck, but not in years. Yeah. And I, I can't wait to go back. It's such a beautiful spot, and the service was great. Yeah. yeah. So when we first started, it was kind of hectic because it was it was so new that it was so many people wanting to come that we had lines and waits, and we had there was a lot that we had to work on. So having the table service and people ordering from the floor, I think. 
for us, it's more convenient and it helps us out a lot in the kitchen to keep things in order. And it gives you, uh, I feel like it gives you guys a better experience instead of have to wait in line, order your food, then wait for your food. I feel, I mean, that, that takes away from the experience as well. So I think table service right now um, was working out really good. I, I, I do like it. I didn't think I would going into it. Um, I was terrified of the idea. It's super seamless. Like you walk in, you have your phone. Yeah. You yeah. know, whoever's greeting at the front kind of walks you through it and then you just order everything from, you know, both businesses on your phone and it comes to your table really quick. So, I mean, I feel like if you're up with technology, it's, it's convenient and you understand it and it makes sense. But the ones that's not too tech savvy kind of feel like it's more of an inconvenience than an actual experience. So I kind of get that, but I like it. Um, I think the limited capacity right now is kind of helping get back into the groove of that and make sure everybody understands it. Um, and I was wondering with the technology, that's the only thing is whether someone is older or just like doesn't have a great smartphone, you never want to alienate those people, especially like at your food truck, you had, you know, construction workers just coming off the, you know, the job site. Exactly, 100%. And so at first, I mean, they were trying to push that everyone, no one could come to the window and order. But I'm like, I, I get why you would say that if you look from the beer's perspective, because a lot of you're not going to get that generation. You know, too many of those generations that don't understand that when they want that they're coming out to drink. But for food, we have a wide variety of people that's going to be wanting to buy food. And some people are just going to want to walk up and order their food. Um, for it might not be the most, it might not be the most best way to do it right now, but we take the proper precautions you just have to let people walk to the window and so we do we still do that if it, um, someone does have a com uh, concern about ordering online we will go up to them and take their order from the table and things like that I mean one of the things that drew me about drew me to your business so many years ago um, was that it was people from all walks of life um, different ages different racial backgrounds different economic socioeconomic like it didn't matter like everyone walked up to your truck had delicious food I don't know if it was your aunt or if someone, whoever was calling me like baby from the start. Like my it was mom. Just, my mom. Yeah. yeah, such just a warm, incredible experience. And, you know, these are tough times with coronavirus. There's obviously a lot going on with the Black Lives Matter movement. There's a big Black Lives right. Matter when you walk up to the brewery. Like, you've been a black restaurant owner for a long time and your family has been for generations. So I would love to know how you're feeling in this moment um, of change and how are you feeling the reverberations of that? Oh, um... Big question. I hear. Yeah, I honestly, I feel like now it's it's more of a conversation that ha should be had. I feel like people, we, what we danced around it before, we um under, we, we expected everybody to know um what was going on to to have an idea, but not not I want to say ignorant. Ignorant. So a lot of people are ignorant to what is going on. They don't know what's going on. They only hear but so much, and they don't read about what's actually happening out there. So I feel right now, just having those conversations with the different people from different backgrounds, not expecting everybody to know what, what's going on or understand knowledge right now is everything. So being able to educate someone on something they didn't understand is a big deal. Like I had a buddy here who, who was, he was making fun of Juneteenth just recently. And it was like, well, I never heard of this. I'm like, yeah, you might not have heard of it, but it's been a thing for a while now. And just because you didn't hear to hear of it doesn't mean just because someone didn't hear about it before and now they educated themselves about it and now they want to celebrate it doesn't mean they're they're just falling on a train. They educated themselves about something and now they're moving forward with that. You can't expect everybody to 
know something that they weren't taught or weren't, weren't around to be taught. So right now, I just feel like just having a conversation with people, if I hear something or uh, I see something, just, just talk about it. Don't get mad. Have a conversation about it. Try to see where someone's coming from right now. That's a very patient um, and kind and generous way <laughs> for you to approach it. Um, yeah, I don't know where I get my patience from because my mother, she goes to zero to 100 in a flat <laughs> second. That restaurant business, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> It'll do is. that to you. <laughs> well, I think that's it for me. Is there anything else that you, you know, wanted people to know? Actually, I'm sorry, before we, we got to talk about the food really quick because okay. one of the things that I... Uh, I think it's so cool about your style of barbecue. I was asking a few questions, um, but I would just love for you to talk about it because it's different than what a lot of people have had before. Yes. So, I mean, okay, so barbecue, barbecue is a lot, I feel like. It's a, it's barbecue, it can't be described with one flavor, one style, uh, or one way. I've been, my grandparents, my grandfather was doing barbecue competitions for many, many years. And I, and I started working with those competitions when I was probably like 16, 17 years old. And there was vendors from Kansas City to Texas, um, Philadelphia, Canada. And all, of, all the barbecue was different. All the flavors were different. And some people loved them, some people were different. I didn't mind trying a different uh, style of barbecue. I'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a city boy. My grandparents are from the south, so their thing they had their own seasoning, they had their own barbecue sauce, and that's what I'm sticking to. I know how I know how to grill. I'm sticking to I, I'm sticking to what I know, and I wanted to put a little spin on on thing. I don't want I don't want to stick to the whole generic uh, the universal smoking meats and using a whole bunch of wood. And giving it this smoky flavor. I'm not a big fan of smoky flavor. I like a nice little char. I like a little salt taste, you know, seasoning on my rib. Nice little rub. And I love barbecue sauce. Um, I don't like the thick barbecue sauce, but I like the, the sauce, you know, to stick to my ribs. And I like to dip a little bit. So, um, yeah, so the main thing, I stick to the, the side, to the, the seasonings. And then barbecue sauce. And, and that, that barbecue sauce, Gio, I think Candace told me it's a mix of, like, Alabama and North, North Carolina, Carolina. Is that yep, right? Because it's yep. like a little sweet, a little sticky, but a little yep. vinegar too. Yeah, yep. So they, they have the North Carolina. North Carolina has a lot of vinegar-based uh, barbecue sauces, and Alabama likes a lot of like the not thick, but they have a heavy ketchup base to it. So we mix those two together, and then we have we add a little spice and sugar to it. I like a, I like a little sweet barbecue sauce. I'm not even sure what style that is. Um, so it's your it, style. <laughs> yeah, but I know I like the sweet, so that's what we, that's what we go for, and. Um, I did, because yeah, my grandfather, he used to have his barbecue sauce a little smokier than I have it right now, but um, I've been doing it for a while now, so people kind of floated over to my side, my, my, my barbecue sauce now, they kind of forgot about the smoky flavor, but yeah. Um, and, the, and then the actual ribs, Gio, like when you say you don't smoke them, it seems super labor intensive the way you do it. Like when I was watching you do it, you're constantly... Flipping them, right? Because you're doing it over the grill. Yeah, so it's not not just sitting, yeah, exactly. So it's a, it's a constant work. Um, you're not just sit, letting them sit there and come back and checking on them, making sure they're they're done. You're constantly flipping them, making sure the heat doesn't overcook them too much on one side. You wanna you don't wanna cook them too fast because you don't want them to be tough, and you still want to have them tender. Um, you don't you want them to fall off the bone, but you don't want them to be falling off the bone while you pick them up off the grill, so they look a, look a mess. You still want them to look good and presentable when you cut them up. 
They're so juicy and so good. Thank you. Thank um, you. I can't. I can't wait to come back for more. I think it's. I honestly think it's so cool that you you even spent the time to reach back out to me to do another story or to do this podcast because you wrote that story. Um, that was like the prime, like my like the not the prime but like the midtime when I was trying to figure out what was our next step, our next moves, and that's like when I first started writing up a business plan about even what I uh, getting a spot for my catering. So they hit to be here right now. It's kind of dope. Well, thank you for taking the time. I mean, like I said, the energy there was just like so good and warm and it just felt like something special. And so it was so cool to be able to, you know, life happened. I've had two kids, other jobs, whatever. And it was so cool to come back and like, it's still that same good energy and good food. But like you guys have clearly taken it to the next level from a business perspective. So that's always great to see. Glad you get to experience it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all we need. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to chat with us. And so people can, um, they can make a reservation. Is that right? At the Yeah. So they can make a reservation through DB Co. Um, that is for a table. Um, and during the, the, the weekends, get booked up quick. So if you want to make a reservation, dbco.com. Um, and you can check our website out at Eminem Barbecue. Awesome. Well, we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Gio. Bye-bye. Take care. A little bit of good news, guys. Row 34 in both Boston in the seaport and in Portsmouth, New Hampshire are now open for row to go. So if you've been hoping for lobster rolls or clam chowder or any of their other tasty treats, check out row34.com and use promo code TFL15 at checkout for 15% off your order.